Well, good morning. I don't know what you feel like after Christmas is over, but ours didn't end until yesterday. And, uh, and I like it when you kind of stretch it out and make it last for a while. Uh, we had the, the joy of having our kids and grandkids over, and we make it a family thing. I tell you, we play silly games and all that kind of stuff. And the neatest thing this Sunday, this Christmas Sunday or Christmas Saturday <laughs> for us was that... Uh, uh, my son uh, read the scripture uh, for this, this uh, Christmas, and uh, my son-in-law offered the prayer for this Christmas, and so it was really a family affair. The only reason he did that is I couldn't talk, and so, but uh, we had a great time together. I don't know how you approach Christmas or how you leave Christmas, but that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning. I'd like first to begin with a time of prayer, if you'll just pray with me. Father, we've come here this morning out of faithfulness, out of a desire, yes, first to please you, but also at the same time because we need to be here, need to be in your presence, need to be in the company of one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we draw from one another strength and we find encouragement and, and helps that we need just to, to stay the course, to be faithful to you and to be about the work that you've set before us as disciples of Christ and as your church. And we have just completed the celebration of the Advent season, which is a central observance in the life of the church. Father, we pray that it doesn't just pass with another season, that Christmas has left its mark on us, that truly as we have entered Christmas in one way, we can leave, leave it differently as if we have truly been in the presence of Christ. We look at the, the text this morning, Lord, with the, the thought that there were those who approached you from one direction and found a whole new course in life as they had been in your presence and then journeyed from there into their everyday life. May that be the outcome of our time together here this morning as we are in the presence of a living God. Since the divine anointment of the Holy Spirit in charge to live for Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I want to read a text from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Uh, it's fairly lengthy, but maybe if you just listen to it as a story, it will uh, uh, find, uh, I think, more meaning that way than just a narrative. I'm going to begin with um, verse 30, or I'm sorry, verse 25, <clears throat> and read to uh, verse uh, 38. Luke 2, 22 through, I'm sorry, 25 to 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of, for revelation to the Gentiles. And for the glory to your people, Israel. 
And the father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phunul, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and praying night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. I think it can be safely said that Christmas today isn't that much different than that first Christmas in, around the birth of Christ. More specifically, the conditions and attitudes of the masses, the, the population of the world, when Jesus was born, is so much like what we are experiencing today. It is now and it was then a time of a dominating world power, a power that had a supreme influence on world's economy, social norms, political persuasions, and a globe that was just marked with corrupt governments and nations. It was a pagan world. It is a pagan world, characterized by an appearance of spirituality while accommodating the practices of multiple religions and a cultural acceptance of immorality. That's the way it was, and that's the way it is. While the promise of a savior for Israel was foretold, as revealed in the words of the prophets, his arrival was missed by most. The biblical accounts of the birth of Christ reveals a world that was completely oblivious to his coming, save only a few who chose to follow the promptings of God, the few to follow the promptings of God, like the shepherds, the shepherds prompted by a message from an angel and a choir of angels that proclaimed the good news of the birth of the long-awaited Savior. For the shepherds, it was overcoming their fears and finally an impulsive decision to go and see what had been made known to them. The prompting for the wise men, a star in the east, that would be the west because they're coming from the east, star in the west, causing them to inquire where they might find the one who was born king of the Jews. For the wise men, it was the determination that set them on a journey long in distance and yet an undetermined destination, not knowing where to go. The Gospels record, the Gospels record reveals one similarity that is seen in the experiences of all those who pursued the path that brought them to the presence of Jesus the child. Each one 
left the encounter with Christ different, not the same as they were before they had seen Jesus. The shepherds are aroused from their slumbering routine of caring for sheep to become heralds of the heavenly proclamation announcing the birth of their Savior, announcing it to Mary and Joseph themselves and whoever else may have been present there during the scene of the manger setting. And also to those that they would meet upon their return home, speaking of what they had been told and what they had seen. The wise men, in their regal kingly dress, carrying their earthly treasures, become humble worshipers, presenting their gifts, as Matthew's gospel tells us, falling down and worshiping him. Jesus, the king of the Jews. I don't know how much emphasis should be put on this particular point, but in the passage that uh, Julia, Julia read for us, the last part, says that they return a different way than they had come, which suggests a change in direction and purpose. From the low-ranking life of the herdsman to the elevated level of royalty, there is no escaping the transformation that takes place when one chooses to look for Jesus and desires to be where he is. It does a work on us when we're in the presence of Christ. The text for the sermon reveals the character of both Simeon and Anna as being some very special characters. They kind of lost in the Christmas story because so much emphasis, particularly the, the way the world kind of recognizes Christmas, celebrating the shepherds and celebrating the kings. But you don't hear too much about these common folk. <laughs> Old people like some of us uh, gathering together to meet in the temple. The Simeon himself and Anna as well are recognized as those who were prayerfully waiting for the promised one. The consolation of Israel as it relates to Simeon and the, rep uh, the redemption of Jerusalem as it, as it relates to Anna. The deliverer, the savior, the Messiah, longingly waiting, waiting, and waiting. William Barclay in his commentary on this passage uh, I think characterizes these two quite well. He says, there were few people who were known as the quiet in the land. They had no dreams of violence and of power of armies and banners. They believed in a life of constant prayer and quiet watchfulness until God should come. All their lives they waited quietly and patiently upon God. Simeon was like that in prayer, in worship, in humble and faithful expectation. He was waiting for the day when God would come to comfort his people. God had promised him through the Holy Spirit that his life would not end before he had seen God's own anointed king. His encounter with Jesus occurred in the courtyard of the temple. We read, Simeon came in the spirit into the temple, or as one where the Holy Spirit is upon them. He was obedient to the Spirit's prompting. Again, those promptings, be it a, a heavenly host or a star in the sky or the Holy Spirit himself, 
that draws people or points people in the direction to find Christ. Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus to the temple to fulfill the law as required. It's recorded quite vividly and, descript- and very descriptive in Leviticus 12. Um, I chose not to read that this morning, I and mean, you may want to look at this sometime because it's, it is very clear as what was being expected of this couple uh, on behalf of their son. But the text says it came for the purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. It was really expected first in the law that you would bring a lamb and a turtle dove. And that's if you could afford it. And in this situation, the option was exercised as it's again assigned in the law for those who were poor could bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. And I think by the fact that that is what Mary and Joseph bought, brought certainly suggests their economic status within uh, their community. They were poor. It's a beautiful scene. Imagine it, if you will, the elements of worship, a service to the Lord, grateful parents of a newborn son, to be approached by an elderly, gentle man who holds your child and pronounces a blessing over him. Such a beautiful picture. Simeon, taking him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And Joseph and Mary marveled at what was being said about him, about Jesus. Oh, (laughs) that little blessing that Simeon offered was saying so much more than we can begin to imagine about this child, Jesus. Simeon saw him more than the consolation of Israel. Simeon saw him as the savior of the world. Simeon recognized him as he was the one who was being sent to save the world, all peoples. As reflected in the words of the prophet Isaiah 52.10, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God, accomplished through Christ himself, prophesied 400 years prior to this encounter with Simeon. For Simeon, his life had been lived to its fullest. (laughs) I just got to share, when I kept on reading this, I I just had to say, Simeon completed his bucket list. But the blessing continues, and, and maybe in some ways to the side, because what is said next is said only to Mary. We assume possibly because 
Joseph is soon not going to be in the picture much longer. Matter of fact, there's nothing mentioned of him after this encounter in Jerusalem. Uh, a few days later, uh, they, they are in the... I take that back, because when he was 12 years old, they were still with Mary and Joseph. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, so let's say 12 years and six months, something like that. But anyway, Joseph isn't in the picture before Jesus assumes his earthly ministry, before he finds his adulthood and, and doing what God had charged him to do. But these words were spoken to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And so that thought, uh, and those thoughts from the many hearts may be revealed. Jesus had come to reveal the true thoughts and hearts of man. For those who seek the truth found in Christ, They will be lifted up and set right before the eyes of God. And those who see no truth in him will fall to their destruction. That's what was being proclaimed that day, and that's what's supposed to be proclaimed any time the gospel message is presented. Those who seek Christ will rise up in the likeness of Christ. But those who deny him will be left for the fall. But the words that steal the joy out of this blessing are these few words spoken. In the Bible, they appear in parenthesis. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. While these words are foretelling of the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of our Lord, they are also the words being spoken to a mother who will suffer greatly. As life will bring to her son rejection, and death on a cross, a crucifixion. These words that were spoken by Simeon are prophetic. He is making this solemn prophecy as to what is to happen, both in the life of Christ as well in the life of the mother of the Lord. And he is pointing out the very reason For Christmas, the very reason for Christ's coming, that Jesus came into this world, that the world through him might be saved, but it will cost him his very life. He came to die that we might live. He came to change our hearts and to discover what truly matters to him and to the Heavenly Father. He came to bring us the elements we associate with Christmas, to be ours for eternity, love for him, love for one another, a peace that is not of this world, a hope that carries us through the darkest of times that we experience in life itself. For Simeon, his hope had been fulfilled. He was at peace, for he had seen the Lord's Christ. Three specific actions are noted in the behavior of those who came to recognize Jesus as their Savior. First, there is the pursuit. The shepherds, the wise men, Simeon and Anna, and Anna all pursued the promptings of God's Spirit, of God upon their lives. Be it again the, the heavenly host or the star or the Holy Spirit itself. And then there is the presence, 
The shepherds, the wise men, Simeon and Anna, found great delight simply being in the presence of Jesus for the wise men to literally be driven to their knees in worship simply because they were in the presence of Christ. And finally, the proclamation. The shepherds, the wise men, Simeon and Anna, all proclaimed the news of the birth of Jesus, the Lord's Christ, following that encounter with him. Christmas will never be the same if we see it as a time to pursue Christ, to linger in his presence, and to proclaim what we have experienced through our encounters with him. Christmas, and all that it means to us and to the world, should be on our hearts and on our minds as the, as the shepherds and as the wise men and as Anna and as Simeon all had to assume a return to the routine as they would enter the next day, as they would enter the next year of whatever time remained for them. It would be different for sure. This might seem a little out of... Uh, order, but I would like to conclude this message with a New Year's resolution. And I pray this is one we will all keep. It's a resolution that was made by Jonathan Edwards when he said, I will live for God, and if no one else does, I still will. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I pray that uh, we see in the life of Simeon and uh, Anna the simple course of faithfulness, of just being where they can be near you. I, I hope we adopt the same practice of seeking you out and, and when we find ourselves close to you, just absorbing your presence and taking it all in. And, and when we recognize the reality of what it means to be in the presence of the living Lord, it becomes something that not only changes us, but is also something that we proclaim and share with others. While this Christmas may have passed us without any significant experience, may we begin even today to prepare again for the celebration of your first coming of how you've entered our lives and saved us and given to us life through your death and resurrection. And continue to prepare our hearts for what will be the second coming, when again, you will then raise up those who have been faithful to you. Lord, we wait that day, as Simeon did, for your appearing. And we long for it to come in Christ's name. Amen.